0: back with another episode of Talking is a Free Action. I'm your host, Owen, joined again today with our illustrious co-host, Marvin. Oh,
1: you know, I'm here. How about you, bud?
0: Um, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Um, had a pretty rough start to the new year um, with some personal matters uh, and whatnot, so that's kind of been the story of my life for the last week or so, but I'm happy to be recording again.
1: Uh, how about yourself? Largely
0: same. Yeah, regrettably. Um, but we're back. Mm-hmm. so uh, we did have our episode go up last week last Saturday, Sunday
1: Monday, Sunday. <laughs> I think it was I think it actually went up on a uh, Sunday
0: Monday. at like 11. It was like it was yeah. in there. It was it was like end of Sunday, early early Monday but uh, yeah but yeah, that was that was our episode um our episode about the uh, penultimate session from our uh, from our Saturday game. Um, we have a, mm-hmm. uh, another episode lined up with uh, Nick, who plays Arden in that campaign. That episode should be coming out this week, which means that by the time you guys are hearing this, that was the last episode that released, um, because we record these about a week in advance or so. Um, at some point, we're going to get everybody together um, to do a big recording. I don't know when that's supposed to happen exactly, but I guess we'll coordinate that at some point.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm really hoping we can get that sometime soon. Um, I think it would be fresh-ish. Yeah, I think it would be in our best interest to do that while we still have it, you know, in our semi-recent memory.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, although at this point it's already been a month if you can believe it.
1: I can't. I think you're making things up.
0: I might be. You'll never know.
1: Uh... uh, uh, I don't like that. But to (laughs) quote Adventure Time, time is an illusion. (laughs) <laughs> what a great show. God. Too good. I I don't I don't know how good Adventure Time is.
0: Man, that was a show that like I always kind of wish I had spent more time watching, but uh, I am satisfied to know that it was excellent. Just that I just didn't have the time.
1: Uh honestly, I wish you had spent more time with it too. Well, on the upside,
0: this means that if you ever run a campaign with me in it, you can shamelessly you know take stuff from it, and I'll never know
1: that's true, and I will
0: I look forward to it as long as I can be Jake the dog.
1: oh, absolutely not
0: <laughs> What campaign balance too much
1: Jake is uh Jake is probably too powerful for any decent <laughs> campaign. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, unless it's like in the the hands of someone who is like just channeling chaos.
1: No, nope, even then. <laughs> Jake is too much. Uh, man. So,
0: um So, in recent news for D&D at least, um this episode is recorded currently on the 11th. So, we are currently two days out from what is going to be the um, supposed release date for the OGL um, Open Game License 1.1, so um, I know Wizards put out a statement yesterday that there will be a statement soon, air quotes, um, which some people have speculated to mean, like, you know, 5 o'clock Thursday or something, or like the hours before uh, the 13th, whenever the thing is going to go up, so um, we will see how that goes, but... um, but I think since we're a little bit kind of late, uh, a little bit behind the eight ball here, um, we'll probably end up reserving, um, like, dedicated episode time to talk about that until after the 13th at this point, basically for, you know, in a couple weeks. Uh, just because, you know, by the time we would record today, it's going to be old news, because we're, we're going to be working with less information than the audience will have by the time they listen to this. So, yeah. Um, So, you know, uh, but short version, of course, for anyone who's listening uh, now who hasn't heard, um, Wizards was going to be changing their open game license. Um, This license is very important for third party creators, um, such as, you know, larger corporations like Critical Role, of course, um, and your smaller folk like us. So, a lot of folks are pretty upset about it. If you've been living under a rock, of course, um, you know, you may not have heard, but this is just. Yet another uh, another shitty thing that Wizards is doing recently. So um, you know, we, I I know that we kind of try to keep the show a lot more on the positive side. We try not to talk about it, but this is something that is like pretty egregious, IMO. Um, so you know, now probably not the best time to get into it. But just know that that's probably something we're going to be talking about next time.
1: Uh, yeah, and you know, if you do want to hear us talk about it, let us know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We could always use Twitter engagement.
1: <laughs> so Uh it helps so much.
0: Yeah, honestly it's just like the brain chemicals, right? Like it's not even like it actively mm-hmm. does anything, but like it's just knowing that people listen to the stuff that we record is kinda cool. Mm-hmm. So, um and of course if you don't spend time on social media air number one, you're a better person than I am. Um but, number two, you know, any sort of reviews or anything for the podcast you can leave are, are always super appreciated as well. Uh, love reading those whenever we can. Make one of us. <laughs> it's like what's reading? Um, so you know how to read? Only sometimes, uh, although you wouldn't know it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I wanted to talk a little bit today um, about kind of a uh, a recent campaign that i joined um and i'm not gonna throw my friend out of the bus but uh him and i have spent a lot of time this week kind of talking about uh railroading um and such and i know that marvin you and i have discussed it a little bit off the show as well um so i figured we could kind of spend some time kind of retreading that topic a little bit i know we talked about it a bit before um and like planning campaigns and things like that but, you know, kind of in light of the recent you know week or so, um I thought it might be you know kind of a good opportunity to get some of these thoughts off my chest um and hopefully you'll bear with me while i do
1: uh no, I refuse <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> well, got some bad news for everybody. I guess you mute me i I'll, I'll never know you'll never see it coming <sighs> yeah so um so what am I talking about um so my friend is running a campaign that, I'm as, that I've am joined that i joined as a player. Um, it is his first time DMing, although not his first time playing. So um, this is a person who has a pretty extensive background in d and I would say. Um, and is a mutual friend of ours. He
1: has played at least twice.
0: Exactly. So he's played at least twice, and it's his first time DMing. And I know that's a super daunting thing to do, right? And as a DM particularly forever DMs, you know, whenever your player expresses interest in wanting to DM, the immediate thought is fuck yes, <laughs> because Lord knows we don't get enough chances to play as players. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's tough. Cause like, you know, you want to be supportive, but at the same time, you know, you want to, you know, kind of advocate for a game that you want to play in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be a really tough line to toe. You know, and and it's one that I kind of run into a little bit, you know, because ultimately, like, I want my friend to have his own voice, right? I want him to have his own um, creative style. But on the other hand, like, I haven't played that many games as a player um, by comparison to how many hours I've spent DMing. So it's also somewhat me learning, like, what style of gameplay I even enjoy as a player versus as a DM. So, Mm. you know, it's kind of a weird learning experience for me as well.
1: Yeah, that is is tricky, because uh, transitioning from the DM role to just a player is super awkward if you don't do it frequently. Um, And, like, thankfully, I didn't have that problem, because I started off as a player and I had frequent, pretty frequent uh, trade-offs with other DMs. But, it, even, even with how frequently I have gone back and forth, it's a strange transition.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of it too is just like, when you're the DM, you get to really kind of tailor the experience to not only yourself, but to your players as well, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you're um, kind of stepping out of that seat and becoming a player, there is like a weird adjustment period where like you have to accept that you just don't have all the information anymore, um, <laughs> <laughs> which like sounds like well duh obviously, um, but also it means like you have to be okay with just like accepting decisions that are made kind of contrary to the way that you would make them, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and it, it's a tough line to toe right because like on one hand you don't want a meta game, um, the but on the other. But on the other hand, like, when you know the, the rules as they exist, it can be really hard not to, like, you know, point those out, particularly to new DMs, um, you know, or to kind of, uh, you know, I want to say, like, push, you know, put your thumb on the scale, but, um, you know, kind of point that out. Hmm. So, why am I talking about this? Um, so Good we question.
1: Ha- why are you talking about this?
0: So I'm talking about this because um, the most recent session that we had I would describe as one where the new DM's growing pains I think were very apparent and I think Mm -hmm. that came up with uh, a couple different things. Um, One, it kind of manifested in our characters kind of getting railroaded a bit um, through the scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, It manifested in him wanting to stick to thoroughly to, like, the pre-planned stuff, which then sure. prompted him to create situations where it effectively took away our points of decision, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I'm, I don't know, should I go over the specific, like, scenario or can I just dance around this?
1: Um, I I don't know. Whatever you feel comfortable with, it's your story.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to throw my friend under the bus because I, I really, like, I really genuinely think that overall he did a good job. Right. Um, but, mm-hmm. but I do want to kind of give some context to like what I mean. So I don't know. Um, I, I guess I'll just kind of do my best to talk around it and just kind of use the specifics. Cause again, like I don't think it's really about like the specific decisions that took place. It's really more about kind of the ethos and how one plans a session sure. and how one um, allows mm-hmm. their players to play that session. If that makes sense. Uh, Makes sense to me. Alright. You also have more context, though. So, <laughs> so
1: That's the, true. I do have more context.
0: So the short <laughs> version of this story is the players were at a location, and they had to look for a person at the location. And uh-huh. it is a place of business, and so the player characters initially wanted to split up. The DM didn't particularly like this, so quickly contrived a reason for us to stay together which like, in of itself mm-hmm. is not a really a bad thing, but we'll get back to, to what what this turned into. And a lot of it kind of ended up being where our characters were very much on rails, um, mm-hmm. moving from location to location within this business, interacting with NPCs kind of in like scripted events, until we got to like maybe like a midpoint in the session where we were finally let off the train, um, and we were able to kind of do our own thing. And... Mm-hmm this was not a fun experience for me personally. Um, There was uh, a few different situations where we kind of intuited that there was some stuff going on um, with like the NPCs. Um, We, we figured out that there was like some illusion magic going on. um, And we wanted to use that information to start to act on it. Um, And it was a lot earlier than what our DM was planning for or intending. Um, They didn't, particularly planned very well around the abilities that we had, or maybe didn't anticipate what we would do. And rather than just kind of allowing us to do the thing, kind Mm -hmm. of didn't give us enough information to go on to prevent us from doing it. And that sucked. So I guess point one that I'm trying to make is like, you know, if your players, when it comes to planning, Yes, you do want to have like an idea on what you want your story to be, but ultimately, you're really just kind of setting the pieces and you really need to let the players move around the environment to make those decisions. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that like part of this comes from this DM's worry that if he isn't like personally shepherding things along, that he will have sessions where nothing happens. And, like, this is just fundamentally not a problem that I worry about. And, like, sure, I've had sessions where, air quotes, nothing happened. Um, But, like, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think those sessions are important.
1: Uh, I very much agree with that. Um, Which we talked about briefly before we hit record. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that Unlike most TV shows in anime, uh, those those filler episodes where, um, like, the main characters go to the beach or the main characters go shopping. I think those are actually some of the best storytelling for the characters. mm Uh, I think there's a lot of character development and motivation that comes out of sessions like that that you would not get otherwise.
0: I agree. I mean, because you kind of need to bake that time in because your players may Mm. not feel comfortable challenging you to stop the pacing of whatever you're doing in order to get that time back. Yeah. Um, Particularly with new players who just don't know any better. Um, and granted, like it does, the new players do appreciate having a scaffolding of like something to point them at. So I mm-hmm. do think that is important, but if you do have the benefit of having some experienced players on hand who are comfortable role-playing with each other, um, they'll be more than happy to loop in your new player and give them something to chew on. And, you know, it's something that I was definitely kind of missing here. Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, in this particular scenario, um, one of our players kind of left the rails a little early and rather than giving him an opportunity to kind of do a little bit of solo scoping out the grounds, um, his character was kind of quickly collected and moved to a bar area, which like is fine. Bar area is fine. There's people there. He could communicate, he can role play, whatever, but he didn't get a chance to do that because the DM was so hyper focused on not splitting the party that he didn't allow for that player to get an opportunity to roleplay in what is effectively a really low stakes environment of a bar with, mm. you know, no hostiles around that we know of, at least. Um, likewise, I left a little bit later. Um, so realistically, I should have shown up at some point. And then the rest of the party should have followed behind me maybe another five or ten minutes afterwards. Uh, based on kind of how everything went. But what ended up happening in the game itself as the DM runs, um, you know, kind of shepherds this one player off to the side. Um, I am allowed to leave eventually and get shepherded off to the side. And then immediately afterwards, the, you know, other two players end up showing up. And I never get an opportunity to talk to player one. Player one never gets an opportunity to RP solo with some of the NPCs. And, you know, once again, we're kind of forced back together. Um, so uh, Marvin I know that you and I talked a little bit about this off air but do you want to kind of talk a little bit about what like what does that adage mean not to split the party right I know that we we had a whole episode about Scooby doing the group um, but you know I, I think that you know I think that that advice can be misconstrued by new players um, and new DMs so what do you think about that
1: uh yeah, so um, like we talked about earlier, splitting the party or scooby doing the party is it's not advice for dms. it's don't don't split the party is advice for players, and it's advice for players in high stake situations. Um, those shopping episodes or like the spa episode or the beach episode. Uh, you can 100% split the party up as a player you can go hey we should split up and you know do our own things because your characters aren't all always going to want to do things together mm-hmm. they might want to do different things um but a lot of a lot of people specifically dms will think that that, that advice is for every situation um when I don't think that it is.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's not gospel. Number one. Um, Yeah. Number two, like, sure. There are situations where a DM should be cognizant Mm -hmm. of it, but it really just boils down to if you're giving people the enough, the right amount of time and attention. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you as a DM don't know how to manage the table, then yeah, I could see why you wouldn't want to split the party. Um, or if you are particularly inflexible when it comes to combat encounters, I can imagine why you would want to construe situations where the players are not splitting up prior to mm-hmm. important fights. But realistically, as DM, these are all things that are within your control, right? Um, you're able to manage the numbers and change the combat encounter mid-flow, mid-initiative, mid, mid, flow, mid, mid initiative, if need be, in order yeah. to ensure that the players are not overwhelmed and, you know, decimated for their poor. Yeah you know, for their choice. Um, And sometimes that's warranted, right? If the players make a kind of a dumb decision to split up when it's pretty obvious, it really shouldn't have happened that way. Then you can feel free to kind of let them reap what they sow. But if there's no indication to that, or it's not a good opportunity for the, you know, if it would prove to be too much of a challenge for them to realistically overcome, and it would kind of effectively end the story early, then there's nothing wrong with kind of changing course. And, weakening the enemies, contriving a reason for the pl- for the enemies to leave, or let the players live, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, likewise, if you're running a, a low-stakes situation, shopping, uh, information gathering, scouting, etc., right, um, just let the players do it. Like You just need to be mentally aware on how much time you're spending with players, and that you are Kind of not frequently, but frequently enough, jumping back and forth between those two cuts. You can kind of think about it as like if you were directing a, sh- a show or something, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or like in Star Wars or something, where they will often do jump cuts to other characters in other places to tell you what's going on in that story at that moment in time, right? Um, do that with your players. So in this situation, player A walks away, okay, we can follow player A as they walk away, and kind of, let's just assume for a moment that there's something that, like, absolutely he cannot see, so that's why he gets collected right away. Sure, that's fine. Just because somebody walks off to go do something doesn't mean they should always be allowed to do that. Right. But if you deposit them into a bar, and you know that the rest of the party, the other three player characters, are going to then participate in a minigame, Say, okay, well, we did your, you know, five minutes or whatever of you walking off by yourself, interacting with the host person who collected you, and then going to the bar. Um, but we haven't roleplayed anything inside the bar yet. So mm-hmm. we jump back to the players. We run our little minigame, you know, because the other players are doing something. And then, you know, once we finish one or two of those minigame challenges, we jump back to the player A. Player A is now in the bar. All right, so you entered into the bar, Player A. Um, you look around and you see, you know, point of interest, point of interest, point of interest. What would you like to do? He'll say, oh, I'll go walk over to Point of Interest 2. Uh, strikes up a conversation with an NPC. Tries to get some information. Um, you can role-play that that conversation. And then, you know, either the conversation ends and you can jump back to the other players, finish mini game 2, or... You note that the conversation is going a little bit on the long side. So we'll say, okay, well, we're going to go ahead and put this on pause for a sec. We're going to jump back to the rest of the group here. So that way you're just aware that you're managing time. Mm-hmm. Minigame two happens and then, you know, player two wants to walk off and is no longer looking to participate, right? So player two walks off and joins the bar. So at this point we can jump back to player one and player two. Okay, so player one... Um, as you're having this conversation with this NPC, you see that player two walks in. Um, they look you know, to be visibly upset. It's like, oh, okay, so now the two players can interact with one another. Now in a live game, this is great because now these two players can interact with one another and you can tune out and move your attention back to the rest of the group, right? Um, online, this is a lot harder to do because you can't talk over one another. You really have to kind of, only one person can talk at a time. Um, in a Discord mm-hmm. call, basically, so we can give those players some time to talk amongst themselves for a few minutes, maybe, you know, um, suss out some ideas that they've had about the area, and then we can jump back to the rest of the party. Um, and as they're, you know, they finish up their last mini game, you can say, "Okay, so you guys have been talking now for a couple of minutes. Um, now the rest of the party is walking in." And now we've brought them back together, and it is an organic situation, and everybody feels like they had an opportunity to kind of do what they wanted to do as their player without feeling like they were railroaded. Yeah, mm-hmm. you did railroad them because you put everybody in the bar, whether they wanted to be or not, but you gave everybody an opportunity to kind of get there on their own terms, and I think that's kind of what it comes down to as a dm and you know kind of what separates um experienced dms from maybe you know newer ones is the ability to kind of mask those rails and make it feel less like you're not making any decisions and more like you kind of had a little bit more freedom to do what you wanted to do uh
1: yeah i definitely agree with that um because it's definitely not about not railroading because you you eventually want the players to do the thing um but it should never feel like railroading. Yeah, exactly.
0: And ultimately, I think it's important to recognize as a DM, and this is a big level up that I had, right? Is like a big level up that I had as a DM is just to recognize that ultimately, if a player wants to do something, it's usually just fine to let them do it. Now, that doesn't mean let them just walk all over you. But what it does mean is if a player wants to attack somebody in the middle of town, right? Okay. Like, let the pieces fall where they may. Often, more often than not, if the players are doing something like that, it's not as bad or detrimental to the story as you may think. You may need to change things around, but ultimately, it's not really a bad thing. You can allow the players to... um, kind of forge their own path in that way. And so in this session, in my conversation with our DM, um, which I'll get to in a sec, but in my conversation with the DM, he made it apparent that uh, there were three NPCs that he wanted us to interact with prior to the end of the session, because Mm -hmm. they're kind of like the main players in what is supposed to be a mystery, um, like a mystery mini arc, right? What's going on with this building. And his concern at the time was, well, if we go off rails, we may not meet all of them. And it may sound a little bit um, avant-garde, and obviously I don't have all the information on what story he's trying to tell, but my simple response is, is that a bad thing? Like, so what if we don't meet all of those NPC players all at once? All it means is that we just, you know, basically when you're looking at it as a DM, think to yourself, like, what's the worst case scenario, right? Right. And in this case, what's the worst-case scenario? We don't have all the information exiting this session that you wanted us to have. Okay, look for other opportunities for us to meet these characters. It's not like they only—they're only working on scripted events, like in a in a video game. These are characters who can show up at any point, at any time, for any reason. You have complete creative control over that. So if the players don't want to go to the spa where the personal trainer is supposed to show up, okay, well then they didn't meet them there. But maybe they meet them somewhere else when they're, you know, that evening, when they're sitting in front of a campfire and just chatting with themselves in a bathrobe. Then the personal trainer comes mm-hmm. up, but it's just not in the context of them running a session or them running a class, right? And now Mm -hmm. you get to introduce this other character and give them other opportunities to interact with the players. Will it change their first impression? Oh, probably, right? But again, what's the bad... Like, What's the downside here? You know? Versus the alternative where we're forcing players to kind of move from event A to event B to event C without having much of an opportunity to to figure out what they're going to do there.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean like you said, there's there's total creative freedom there. Um, and those NPCs are exactly as uh, fluid or rigid as you want them to be. Um, so it's kind of just, do you want them to be fluid or not?
0: Yeah. And sometimes I feel like that kind of advice can sound very, like, well, yeah, but how do I do that, right? <laughs> is, is what I imagine some, some, some newer players saying to me. Because obviously like you and I have a wealth of experience. So it's easier for us to say, we'll just figure out something different in the moment. And some people can do that and some people just don't have that, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, I think the best way to kind of think about how to address those situations in the game as it's happening is number one, just try not to panic if things are not going your way. Right, just because someone's doing something different than what you anticipated, or things are not proceeding as you expected, or there's a sequence break, right, it doesn't mean that like we have to like throw on the brakes and like look to subvert whatever the players are doing. We really want to try and work within the confines of what the players think think is going on or think they're supposed to be doing. So, if they're, you know, in my opinion, correctly identifying that something is up with this place, that's a good thing because it means that the um, hints and such that you've left are actively guiding the players towards the correct conclusion, which is there is something wrong. So that is an example of being a good DM. You're allowing the players to pick up on purposeful context clues to determine that there is something wrong and that they should act differently than they would in a scenario where there isn't something wrong. So if Definitely. the players are using that information to then make actions um with their characters, it's not your job as DM to force them to um to adhere to a particular path in order to kind of get to the particular points that you want. What you really want to do is if they want to do something that's gonna be, you know, air quotes disruptive to whatever story you're trying to tell, my best recommendation is If you can't think of what to do in that moment, think of a way to delay the decision until later on.
1: So, I like that
0: because honestly, like, that's going to be your best bet if you're not somebody who can actively think of like a better alternative. So, let's say there's a sequence break and you know, they don't get to meet NPC when they were supposed to. But you're not sure when else you're supposed to do it because that's what it was supposed to be and you spent two hours planning, you know, this particular encounter, you know, this particular social encounter and a minutia of how that was going to go and now it's not going to be at that point and you're not mm. sure where else that NPC is supposed to be for the rest of the day. That's fine. Don't worry about that. What you need to worry about is how do I generate a... A natural stopping point to where i can work that back in look for opportunities mm-hmm. to to basically delay the decision point until you can find time to work it outside of the session if that's what you need to do so sometimes that may come down to you know kind of artificially stopping the session earlier than you were anticipating that's not desirable but that is a tool in your belt right um
1: mm-hmm.
0: other times and you know this may sound a little silly, right? But like, just prompt your players to talk with one another. Give them an opportunity to talk, right? All right, you guys are now in your bedrooms. Um, you know what would you like to to do? You can even maybe summarize a couple of things that they that they saw today um, in that game day that you want to draw attention to. Um, you could even do it with um, kind of hey, so and so. You know, hey Marvin, your character remembers earlier today during your conversation with the host that they had a peculiar glint in their eye. But when you went to examine it a little bit closer, you remember that their eye color changed, you know, just something like that. And, you know, ideally we want to like create actual, like we want to remind them of actual things that happened rather than backfilling information that didn't. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but point out the things that they did, um, or hints that you dropped that Maybe they didn't pick up on right away. Um, you can definitely give that. So maybe you said something in a particular way and the player didn't catch it at that moment because they maybe were distracted or were talking to somebody else in the party, um, in mm-hmm. character presumably, or were kind of focused on something else. So during you know that point later in the day, hey, you remember during the conversation with the, the host that they didn't refer to themselves as you know with normal pronouns. They always referred to themselves as the third person. Um, and that catches you as strange now that you think about it.
1: Um, because it is strange yeah right Um,
0: and for new players too um, because we have one brand new player in the party and this is Mm -hmm. something that we kind of talked about uh, uh, me and the DM um, and something to kind of think about is those brand new players may not have a frame of reference for what is and is not unusual so using those opportunities to point out what their character would know is unusual is really helpful Um, Mm -hmm. a good for instance is like the bathwater was alive in in this situation, right? I'm sorry, what? Yeah, like it, it was like a water elemental or something. I don't know. Um, I still don't have all the information, but we were told the bathwater was alive, right? Okay. Like, I don't know if it's a slime bath. I don't know if it's a water elemental. I don't know if it's just like some shapeshifter dude. Um, I don't know if they just, you know, pulled some poor soul out of the abyss and whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. But the bathwater's alive. And obviously. The three veteran players note that as unusual, but our brand new player doesn't have a frame of reference. This is literally the first bath they've ever interacted with in-game, so they don't know that that is an unusual point unless you tell them explicitly it is. Him just being told that he notices the bathwater is alive is not in of itself helpful information, because he doesn't know if that's the case for all bathwaters or not.
1: (laughs) Oh, I like that sentence. (laughs) he doesn't know if that's the case for all bathwater exactly so
0: um so just keep that in mind is try not to assume too much of what your players know going in Mm -hmm. um and again you can use these opportunities to prompt the players to talk to themselves you don't need to, like, move things at, a, at like, a blistering pace, right? Ultimately, you can allow them to spend some time talking to themselves. And the cool thing is when they're doing that, that gives you time to think about it. Um, mm-hmm. And gives you time to kind of plan what else you would like to do. So utilize that
1: time. I think that's some really good advice. Thanks.
0: You know, maybe More people
1: I, should listen to you. I know. It's
0: almost like I should have a podcast or something.
1: Okay, let's not get crazy now.
0: Yeah, I know, I know. Who would ever want to do? It? Who would ever want to host with me? Um.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> <yikes>. <laughs> so um, the other thing too to keep in mind is, um, and this was actually uh, something that again we we had talked about off air. But listen to what your players are saying when they talk to each other. They will tell you what they want, even if they don't know that they're doing it. So. Mm-hmm. So 100% when you're listening to those conversations, yeah, you can spend time kind of planning what you want to do with your, you know, with changing plans, etc. But if the players are talking to each other about what they think is going on, and they come up with something novel or interesting, or they just suggest like, oh, hey, we may have to do X, Y, or Z, and it's not what you had planned. Well, maybe they want to do X, Y, or Z, and that's why they're kind of suggesting that may have to happen, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, man, like, you know, if things go sideways, we may have to cut our way out of this place, you know, like cut, cutting a violent path out of out of here, uh, dwarf in hand. And it's like, well, I wasn't planning for that to happen. But if that's what the players are aiming for, like,
1: you know, I'm not going to stop them. Exactly. Right?
0: <laughs> like, I'm, like, don't stop them. Like, I mean, don't make it easy. Right. You, you don't want it to be a pushover necessarily. But but yeah, allow it to happen. You know, it, and that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day is, is learning to trust your players a little bit and learning to let go of that creative control a little bit and allowing things to kind of progress just kind of as they would, you know, let the pieces fall as they may.
1: Hmm. I like that. So, um,
0: and that can, and the thing is too, is like, as a DM, it can be really hard to just kind of allow this, the, the session to coast, right? Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because there's always that pressure to like want to deliver, and especially when you're new, you really want to like deliver the best experience you can for your players. Um, I mean, you want to do that even as a veteran DM, but you're less confident in your ability to follow through on that desire <laughs> when you're new.
1: Um, uh, yeah, I definitely did not think I could do that. Yeah. Um,
0: and if you're fortunate and you have a good play group that will be easier than than some others right some some play groups work with you some work against you but over and over advice that i really do believe in um is just just letting go a little bit like just allowing the players to to really kind of you know guide what's going on what you don't want is you don't want to be the dm who constantly is telling players oh you can't do that right um it, it's okay to to maybe give them more information than what you were expecting them to have. It's okay for them to make mistakes, you know? Um, there was a point in the session where, you know, um, I made a incredibly high, you know, um, insight check against a character, um, far higher than what I normally should be able to reach, but I was very lucky the dice were with me, and I didn't get any information out of it. And the DM may disagree, but I still believe to this moment that I did not get any helpful information that I did not already have. And, you know, that sucks, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Obviously, like, rolling a 20 on a skill check doesn't necessarily mean that it should always be super successful, or that you should be able to gain a bunch of, you know, information that you shouldn't have, but you should want the player to feel rewarded for it, I think. And, in this instance, the information was withheld because the DM expressed after the you know, session a couple days later that they were concerned that if I had that information, I might do something rash. (laughs) Like um And like to me, like my answer to that is like so what?
1: Like just let Let the players do crazy things. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, you know, this coming from a DM who's, you know, crowning achievement as one of my players, is doing exactly that. (laughs) Inciting a very violent combat encounter that ultimately precipitated into a a very overblown you know, in-game conflict, right? Um, Mm -hmm. that was not planned on my part. I didn't intend for that to happen. Now, let me rephrase.
1: Didn't that end up being, like, an actual civil war?
0: Yeah, literally a civil war, right? Um, so here's the thing, right? I didn't... I didn't not... I didn't not anticipate that it would happen. Mm-hmm. Um. I was really hoping it wouldn't, though. Because I had other stuff I wanted to do that day. I was really trying to aim for, like, the uncomfortable dinner scenario right where you have to like you know dine with the enemies and everybody kind of knows the subtext of what's going on. That's what I was kind of aiming for and I thought that would be a really cool opportunity for the players to kind of interact with people in a scenario where they really ought to not violence the other party because you know there's there's too much collateral damage around right there's too many right. other unknowns um, but when the player character during the award ceremony, no less where they were being honored, um basically chooses violence, you know, I'm not gonna stop them. It's like, oh well you try to you you try to draw your weapon, but uh it's it's missing. It's not there.
1: Right? That would tilt me to no end. Or you, you try
0: to do that, um, you know, before you even say that, uh, roll a wisdom save and you fail your wisdom save for whatever whatever arbitrary reason. It's like, oh well now you're under the power of a suggestion spell and you can't do it. And it's like, oh, Okay, so I really don't have a choice. This is a cutscene now. This is what's happening.
1: There's nothing wrong with a good cutscene, but everybody should know they're in a cutscene.
0: I agree. Also, they should be able to skip the cutscene if they want to. In yeah.
1: This, in this case, skipping
0: the cutscene means drawing your sword and attacking.
1: I don't see a problem with that. <laughs>
0: Technically, violence is a way to skip <laughs> to skip dialogue.
1: <laughs> That's a hell of a sentence.
0: <laughs> it's true in real life and in D. &D.
1: (laughs) oh my god
0: (laughs) just remember next time you don't want to talk to a cashier just violence their shit oh my god don't
1: tell people that wait can i not say can i not tell people that for legal reasons that was a joke please do not violence your cashiers
0: (laughs) yeah they're just doing their jobs right Um, sometimes they're not doing their jobs but that's okay too (laughs) I'm allowed to say that, right?
1: Yeah, you 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 are definitely allowed to say it's okay that if they don't do their job, okay, yeah, you're just you're just not allowed to violence them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I will. I will try my best. I don't even know how you're allowed to keep living.
0: It, it sometimes it really feels like it's despite my better efforts.
1: Uh, I know that feeling. So,
0: so what about you, Marvin? You know when you're when you're talking to your friends who want to take up the mantle of DMing, you know, what, how would you tell them to just like, you know, loosen up to like go with the flow? Like what are, what are things that you think about when, when you're going, you know, when you're DMing, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it.
1: I, I don't like this question. I don't like this question because it implies things about my DM style that are not true. Oh, so you are a meticulous planner, is what I'm hearing. No, no, head empty, no think.
0: Cool, brain smooth, no thoughts, I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think, like, I'm, there's nothing going through my brain, I just, what's happening, where am I?
0: So, how would you teach a new DM to channel that mental state, right? Because, like, clearly uh, you're, you're kind of, like, making decisions off the cuff in order to kind of generate an interesting story. Um, you know, how would
1: I do that? Very carefully. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> a lot of the time, it's it's kind of actually just paying attention to your players. Um, like like we said earlier, um, if you listen to what they do and say when they roleplay with each other, they're going to tell you what they want. I'm a very firm believer in that because it's true. And if you are listening, um, you will know exactly what you need to do when the time comes, and if you don't, that's what you should practice. Yeah,
0: active listening for sure. Because like I'll tell you, during our live game, um, we had what I could only describe as the, you know, most like gut-splitting, you know, twenty minutes of roleplay, as basically, oh basically <laughs> the bard character in the party um, guides the rest of the party through a town that, that he's been to. Um, to what I can only describe as from one dad joke to another.
1: It was so. It was so good.
0: Right, and like I had none of it planned, and you know, it's Smiths. It's Smiths, it's <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, do you want to share the story or that you were there?
1: I don't want to. It made me so mad, in <laughs> character and out. Well, now you have to share it. Uh. So. I'm just gonna go with the alter ego. The alter ego's name is Grimace. We don't know that in character yet. That is great. <laughs> His name is um, Fisk. Fisk. Yeah. Hate that guy. Grimace is great though. Um and then there is uh Alan who is playing All Yeah. Uh Allsef got some armor from this dude that we had killed. Um and there was a bullet hole in it, and he just wanted it repaired. Uh, so he was... He he basically was like, hey, I'm looking for a blacksmith. Uh, and we had made port in this town that uh, Fisk had been to many times previously, apparently. And uh, Fisk goes, yeah, I know a blacksmith. Uh, follow me. So we follow Fisk, and I go this is going to be something really dumb, isn't it? And he's leading us through this city and, you know, taking side roads because the city doesn't have real roads. It's all side road because it's not really a city. It's like an encampment that has grown beyond its scope. So he's leading us down these alleyways and through these buildings. And we, uh, we eventually get to a place and I go, this is not this is not a metal worker and he goes <laughs> it's the blacksmith and we walk in and it is uh it's a record store is, is we're we're in a record store it says something like records on it and no, it says smith's, so or... smith's records yeah. it says smith's and it's a it's a record store or something and we walk in and it's just a black woman at the counter, and I'm like, "Oh my god, of course it is." And we proceed to role play with the black smiths. They're they're the smiths and they're black for like 20 minutes, and it is the wildest role play. And eventually, we find a metal worker with the smiths' help. So. The thing we wanted to do got done in the weirdest way.
0: (laughs) It only got better from there. Also, it was like at least 10 minutes of me actively like coming on to Julian as one of these NPCs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was.
0: Uh, I'm happy I have weird friends. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that was uh, that, that was something
1: um it was an experience. it
0: experience it was definitely an experience um after that you went to go find a tavern um that was run by Mick tavern
1: yeah that was an experience too um
0: so <laughs> yeah yeah uh, we we did that a few more times <laughs> as you guys wander through town it's like i need x and it's like yeah there's just a guy who's named x who runs the thing um but you know what like that's not something i was intending to do certainly i'm <laughs> going in that is strictly like you know julian pulls me aside during the camp- during the session he's like hey i really want to do this joke like he's like i thought of a bit and i really want you to go with it um is that okay i was like yeah man like let's do it. (laughs) Because, because like, I'm, I'm totally cool with this. And, you know, sometimes that's what it is. I mean, honestly, right. You know, have at thee, but, uh, Uh, that's just one of those things where it's like, as a DM, like sometimes you just get a, (laughs) I love him so much. Um, like sometimes you just get, Uh, well, I mean, technically his wife does, but you know, you can't prove that. I, I, I don't have to. Um, (laughs) Uh, um I mean it's gonna be really awkward when, you know, her PI finds out what we've been doing. Um and what? It's gonna be really awkward when the PI that she hired finds out that I've been coming on to Julian during her D D sessions, but you know, it's whatever.
1: Oh, I mean she's not gonna care about that. She thinks that we're in a, a secret relationship, so
0: I mean, makes sense. He does, you know <laughs> he does drive several hours <laughs> once a month to come meet us.
1: No, no, she thinks me and him specifically,
0: oh, you and him specifically, okay, yeah. that makes sense, so I prob so I guess in this version of the events, I just don't exist, and I'm just like uh, an excuse for you guys to go hang out for her
1: <laughs> <Sure. laughs> honestly, it's more interesting than the truth, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she knew what she was getting into, um, I don't think she did. <laughs> Well,
0: it's too late now. Um, So yeah, I mean, like, as a DM, though, ultimately, you really just kind of have to go with it sometimes. And, like, sometimes your player is going to want to do something silly, and it's going to make the campaign somewhat nonsensical. And, like, that's okay, you know? Like, maybe your player doesn't want to play in a super serious campaign. Maybe half your players do want to play in a super serious campaign, but you have one who just is committed to the bit. Um,
1: Just let it happen, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So <laughs> let them do the things.
0: Yeah. And that's really what it is. Like I can't, it, that's a hard skill to teach, but it really just kind of comes down to willing to kind of let go of the reins a little bit and allow the players to show you what they want. Um You know, if you have an open-ended task, let them come up with an interesting way to do it. Right. Um We were asked to, uh, Retrieve a book from a library, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's like, it's candle keep, right? So like it's like effing lockdown. It's like Fort Knox of books. Um, you know, it's like trying to shoplift from a Borders or something. Um, so I don't actually know if that's hard. I've never done that personally. I don't know why I went with that. Um, more but,
1: importantly, who's going to get that reference? People who are in their thirties. <laughs> um. People who are is in that. that our 30 demographic, 30. Do we know that?
0: Um, we don't not know that.
1: Oh, true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually, I think our, our listenership is like 25 to 39 majority.
1: Alright, so that's something.
0: Yeah, we're like in that range. Um we have, we have some on either side of that though. Um which is all fine. Uh so anyway, the point is like we we have to get this book out of this library. And so like mm-hmm. When we show up, there's some contrived events that get us into the library, which is fine. I'm totally fine with that. Like as a player, you know, because like otherwise, like you know, if we don't know how to get in, like we don't know how to get in. Um, so some events are contrived where we earn a favor from you know a book merchant who offers us a book to trade in, like you know, to trade in at the library, chi tong style, um, mm-hmm. where you have to trade knowledge in order to gain access to the to the archive. Sure. So. I go asking questions of the people who work there. Like, hey, where would a book on necromancy exist? Right? Is that something that you guys like carry? I don't that question. <laughs> well, like, I had a good reason for it, right? Um, sure. So my, my cover story, because keep in mind, this is the character who's already undead, kind of. So my cover story is, I was cursed with undeath, and I'm looking for a way to reverse it. Sure. It's, not even, reasonable it's not even technically a lie. Um... So, um, so I, I'm asking about, right, um, and I'm like, okay, well, where would it be kept? Oh, it's under lock and key in this area. It's like, okay, you know, where would, um, if the book was damaged, like, you know, would it get repaired? It's like, oh, it would be repaired over here. Because, like, I'm basically trying to come up with a scheme to try and get this book damaged, and then we can heist it, like, once it's in the repair facility. Hopefully, the security is weaker. That was my thought at the time, Right. Mm-hmm. and like to me that sounds like a really fun and interesting story we're coming up with a way to get a book out of a library and like if that's the way that the players want to do it like okay I guess I'm writing a heist campaign now
1: I've definitely been in that exact situation
0: Yeah, we're I really guess late.
1: I'm writing a heist campaign <laughs> <laughs> right? because then as a DM all you
0: have to do is just like have a couple of like little holes in the security and let the players figure out how to exploit them Right, Mm -hmm. just don't make it airtight. That's all you have to do. Um, Even if it's just like a fluke, like normally they they do have airtight security, but for whatever reason on this night you're able to to exploit something. Maybe you figured out what guards are going to work there, and they try to get that guard to have food poisoning. You know, whatever it may be, somebody has to make a mistake somewhere, and your players can use that to try and steal. Um, or they could try and kill everybody between point A and point B and hope that that works. Either way, those are your options, right? And, like, instead, basically I'm told, and again, this is, you know, the DM didn't want to do this, so that's fine, but um, instead I'm basically told, like, oh, security is just as good over there as it is over here, which basically means there's no way you can get it out. It's like, okay, well, I guess we're not doing a heist campaign. Um, and, like, I was legitimately sad about that. And then like immediately after after that uh that explanation, I bump into like another NPC who's like, "Oh, I'm looking for a lost student." Uh and then we f- we find a book that like opens up a portal and it's like, "Oh, the student was reading that book last time I saw him. Maybe he went through the portal." So then we go to the headmaster and the headmaster's like, "Oh, well, you know, you're adventurers, so" if you want to go into the portal, try and find the student, I'll uh, give you anything you, you know, I'll, you know, give you each reward. And it's like, well, can I get a book? And it's like, sure. It's like, all right, well, guess we're going to go through the portal and find the student now. And like, that's not a bad story, right? Like, it's not a bad like premise for a story. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was a little bit bummed to find out that like what I thought was going to happen wasn't what was going to happen. Not because like, it always has to pan out the way that I want it to pan out. Right. But like, I was really kind of excited to try and like tease out the like intricacies of their like security detail to like try and figure out how to get this book out of this library. Cause we didn't get any information on how we were supposed to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I thought that was like, I thought it was going to be an open, an open question on how we achieve the goal. And what it turned into was, Oh no, we're just going to have a plot contrivance to earn a favor, which like, again, isn't bad necessarily. Mm -hmm. But I was disappointed because when we were set off on this, it seemed like it was gonna be a lot more open ended than what it turned out to be.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I don't, know. I don't think I like that.
0: I mean, like I don't dislike it; it's fine, right? Like I, I did get my hopes up for a heist, and he's like, "Oh, well, there'll be other opportunities to do a heist." It's like, yeah, but like now it's not gonna feel organic, you know? And like mm-hmm. that kind of takes the fun out of it. Part of the fun of doing a heist is trying to, like, is trying to be clever about it. And if I feel like I'm just being given the tools to do it, like, it doesn't feel like a challenge anymore. Like, I actively don't want to do a heist now because I feel like the next opportunity we're going to have to do one, it's going to be a planned thing from, like, the Mm -hmm. DM side. And, like, I realize this is a false dichotomy because, of course, every heist is going to be planned from the DM side, clearly. Um, But it feels a lot more on rails than I thought it was going to be.
1: You know? And we discussed this. It shouldn't feel like it's on Rails, even if it is. Yeah.
0: And, like, that's the problem. And, like, I don't know if maybe, like, I wouldn't have felt the same way if the DM's, like... If the DM says, oh, well, you know, that's just... It it wasn't going to work. It it isn't working out this way. But, like, on the other hand, like, I feel like I should still be allowed to do that. Like, I don't really want to do favors with these people. Honestly, as a person, as a player, like... I didn't really want to, because honestly, if I'm going to try and get a book from them, I don't want to have a face with the person who runs the place. I want to be anonymous, um, especially because I'm working for someone who I quickly found out is like public enemy number one. That'd be like if like Al Capone's top lieutenant was like actively walking into an FBI you know, research lab. Right. And like getting chummy with people like you don't want to be on their on their radar.
1: No, no, you don't.
0: Right? So, I I really didn't want to do that, but it's also the path of least resistance, and I think it was clear from the DM side, at least, that he was not intending on allowing us to do a heist. And that's a weird way to feel, right? Like, I feel like I'm not allowed to try to do this, because, like, I feel like I was explicitly told, effectively, that it wouldn't work. Um, Or at the very least, that we don't have the tools to do it that we would need. But, like, not like we don't have the tools to do it, but, like, we wouldn't be able to get the tools that we needed to do it, you know?
1: Which is even worse.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh, we need to be higher level or something. <laughs> or, like, you know, you need access to, like, magical demolition equipment or something. Um, you don't have enough money that. to bribe people. <laughs> Whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, man, it's... It, you know, I really didn't want to turn this episode into just me ragging on my buddy. Because, like, again, I really do think that, like, the majority of the stuff that he's put together for the campaign has been enjoyable. And even though I do feel like I've been railroaded into this particular bit of the story, um, I was fine opening up last session with, like, allowing it to play out, right? Like, yeah, I didn't really want to do the portal thing, but whatever, we're here. It's fine. You know, and, and there are things that he is doing quite well, right? Like, I think he's doing fairly well as far as, you know, giving the NPCs their unique voice right um mm-hmm. i haven't found any of his pre- any of his npcs particularly endearing but like i think that has more to do with just me as a person right than anything else right um that tracks yeah i don't know man like it's hard to make likable npcs
1: yeah yeah it is um my, like, quick, and really
0: dirty... hard. <laughs> My <laughs> quick and dirty advice is like having the NPCs generally be nice to the party without an ulterior motive is a really good starting point.
1: <laughs> they never expect the Spanish Inquisition. Wait, what? Exactly. Alright. Um, so I think what we'll do
0: is we'll just go ahead and call it an episode there because <laughs> I can't think of no better way to end this.
1: Wow, that's crazy that the Spanish Inquisition ended this episode just like it ended everything else.
0: <laughs> God damn it. Um <laughs>
1: well anyway you can catch us
0: on uh, every new episode uh, we're still currently on a weekly release until further notice so catch us on sundays um unless something comes up and i have to release it on a monday or whatever but sunday generally speaking um weekly uh you can catch us on twitter at tifa podcast i'm at vlad beaver marvin's at Tayugetsu. uh links to uh, our social media accounts of course in the doobly doo of the episode um you know, ultimately, uh, we'll probably have more news as far as the open game license is coming up. Um, so hopefully that's not all foo bar by the time we get back to it. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, yeah, relax, chill. D and D should be fun. Let your players have fun. Uh, you know, and
1: no, no fun, only suffering.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Sorry, that was the wrong line. Yeah, I, I don't think D and D is supposed to be pain. Well. All right. Well, anyways, uh, it's been real, everybody.
1: Have a good one, everybody.